Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. Good to be with you this Sunday. Thank you so much for taking time to pray for something so important and something that is so dear to the heart of our God. As a, just a, a way of asking, I want to ask you to be praying for my family. We'll be traveling to the U.S. in December. And so we'll be away for the month of December. And we're going to go visit some of the, the people that actually support so much of the work that's being done um, through these baby homes. And we'll give them updates and, and send your greetings to them as well. We'll be uh, with the Mac family and Cornerstone Bible Church over Christmas and New Year. And so uh, we'll be sure to send your love to them as well um, during that time. But okay, we are here to study God's Word. So please take your Bibles and open up to, not Galatians chapter 5, but Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. We are busy with the study of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5, 22. And we know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. But I want us to start our time together this morning by turning to a very important passage, portion of Scripture in the book of Judges. I mean, if you're looking for the book of Judges, it's in the Old Testament, you will find it after the book of Joshua and before the book of Ruth. I want to direct our attention to what is a warlike situation. A warlike situation. God's people are finding themselves in opposition to the Midianites because of how they've disobeyed God. And during this time of opposition or war, the Midianites and the other surrounding nations, most of the crops and the cattle of the Israelites. And because of all this discipline that Israel was experiencing through these foreign nations because of their sin, they cried out to God for help. God then sent a prophet to remind them that He is the one true God who has delivered them out of Egypt. And that they are the ones who have turned their back on Him. But God still hears their cry. And He responds. In Judges chapter 6 verse 11, we find that God now sends the angel of the Lord to call this man Gideon, to the Lord's service in this battle against the Midianites. And I want to pick up the story from there. And so we're going to start reading in Judges chapter 6 from verse 11. The words will be on the screen. It's quite a lengthy portion here. But just let this, let's just read this together. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat, in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, 
The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please, please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring you my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into the house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an eve of a flower. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot. And he brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes. And a fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. To this day it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abyssalites. We'll stop there. Now what I want you to see from this event with Gideon, who was confronted with the angel of the Lord, and how he was told that he is to lead God's people in this battle against the army. He couldn't believe that God would really choose a guy like him, and so he asked for this sign. He brings out all the food and the angel touches it with the staff and suddenly a fire comes and consumes all the food that is in front of him. He was looking for confirmation and he got it. And what was Gideon's response in verse 22? Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He came to realize that the angel of the Lord is indeed God. He has been face to face with God. And you would think that Gideon would be ecstatic and over the moon because of this divinely inspired moment. But instead it caused him to fear. Why? Because he realized who was before him? Because how can a sinner like him be face to face with God and live? 
We see this in the response, verse 23. God's response to Gideon. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. You see, because of sin, we are at war with God. Because of our sin, we cannot survive the holiness of God. And yet we see that God gave peace to Gideon in that moment. Gideon knew that God has seen his fallenness and that sinners should die before a holy God. Yet God took away the fear of dying and being in God's special presence and gave Gideon the strength to believe that he can go and fight against the Midianites. In other words, God gave him peace. Gideon realizes that because of sin and his unworthiness, there's a problem between him and God. But I just love Gideon's response to all of this because through this experience, he helps us see more about who our God is. Verse 24, Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is what? The Lord is peace. God speaks the word of peace to him, and Gideon is spared, and he builds his altar called, The Lord is peace. Jehovah is peace. You see, Gideon came to know that the holy God he was serving was indeed the God of peace. Not just between him and God, but also between Gideon and the surrounding enemy. And God used Gideon to gain victory over the enemy, and there was like peace in the land for about 40 years. And many times his faith seemed weak, but the God of peace patiently worked with him and strengthened his faith to the point where he could carry out God's mission. And we all know that we live in a world that is full of conflict. We live in a world where people are at war with God, at war with each other, and we where we are at war with ourselves. We're in, we live in a world where people live in fear about the uncertainties of the future, where people live in fear and sadness because of doubting their relationship with God. Where people are so overwhelmed with so much stress and anxiety that it leads to all these physical health problems. Where life is like a roller coaster and you're just trying to hold on and make it to the end. In fact, we hear the prophet Isaiah saying these striking words in Isaiah 48:22. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. There is no peace for the wicked. The wicked don't know what it means to have supernatural peace with God and from God. Because as we come back to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, we've been saying that the fruit of love, joy, and now peace comes from the Spirit of God that is within you and at work in your life. Because the Christian is someone that is not marked by what he wears or simply by how he speaks. A Christian is someone that has a kind of peace within them that comes from God, that changes their relationship with God, with other people, and with the conflicting thoughts they have with themselves. And this peace continues to grow like any good fruit grows, because that peace is what God gives you when you just found out you lost your job. When you just heard that someone you love has cancer. 
When parenting your children is exhausting and overwhelming, when people turn against you, but you know you can trust God with the details. So as we come to look at the fruit of peace today, we need to keep in mind the context of what's been happening in the churches in Galatia. Because if you look back at Paul's letter to the Galatians, we see that the deeds of the flesh have become evident in the church where people are fighting with each other. There's strife and conflict over the truth of the gospel and the implications that has on how people relate to God and to each other. See, the religious Jews have their own theology. They are causing people to rebuild walls of division that Jesus came to destroy. They are saying it's up to your own efforts and how well you keep the law of God to truly be a Christian and be part of God's family. Which is a different gospel? And so what is clear is that when we are talking about peace in the Bible, we see that there is this vertical aspect to it between us and God that has this horizontal effect in how we relate to other people. And if we're going to grow in the fruit of peace, especially in challenging times of life, then first we need to recognize what this peace, what this peace is and why we need it. Secondly, where we can find it, and finally, how we can guard it. And so let's think firstly about what this peace is, and why do you need it? When you look at the Old Testament, you find the Hebrew word for peace, which is pretty well known. I'm pretty sure all of you know the Old Testament word, the Hebrew word for peace. It's the word shalom. Shalom. Many other religions base their whole philosophy of life on this idea of shalom. And the word shalom means there's the absence of turmoil and conflict. But it's not just that. There's more to the idea of biblical shalom. It also means that there's the presence of what is good. In other words, shalom is more than just peace of mind. It's more than just the ceasefire between two enemies. It carries with it the idea of thriving and flourishing and having this amazement in God and joy in God because this is how life ought to be. You see something similar in the ironic blessing where the priest pronounces this blessing over God's peace, people, in Numbers 6.24. And you know, we've been reflecting and singing this blessing even in our services this year. The blessing is the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's think of Gideon again. As the Lord's face was shining on Gideon, he found peace. God created us for peace. God created us for peace and everything else in this world for peace. And at one stage, everything was as it ought to be. But that all changed. It changed when sin came into the picture. Peace gets disturbed when sin comes into the picture. Adam and Eve are walking with God in peace. But they sinned against God. And what happened instead? They were getting down each other's throats. There was hostility and conflict. There was hiding from God. And things supposed to be. 
Now there's war everywhere. Between nations, between husbands and wives, between co-workers, families, and even people in the church. Paul said to Titus in his context of ministering to the wicked people of Crete, Titus 3.3, that because of sin, we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That doesn't sound like shalom, does it? But God is the one that hates sin because it disrupts the shalom we had with Him and with the rest of creation. And yet we know the Bible teaches us that sin has corrupted everything, especially our hearts and minds. And that's why we struggle with a guilty conscience. That's why you freak out when things don't go the way you anticipated. I mean, Jesus Himself said to the disciples in John 14, 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Because, Jesus knows, our hearts are troubled. He knows the uncertainties of life that causes anxiety and a lack of peace. And so every day, we're all looking for the shalom, this peace. Peace with God, peace with others, peace within ourselves and our inner thoughts and feelings. Every day we want things to be as they ought to be. But perhaps, as you look at your life, they are not. Because sin keeps disturbing the peace that brings confusion. So we have to ask ourselves, where do we find this peace? If we're going to grow in the fruit of peace, we need to know what it is and why we need it. But we also, secondly, need to know where we can find it. So even though the world tries to offer up solutions to our conflict, to our anxieties and our fears, the reality is there's only one place to find true peace. I mean, your local pharmacy might try to sell you this new medicine called Stress Away. Heard about it this week on the radio, Stress Away. You can take this organic pill, but guess what? I'm pretty sure the stress does not go away because true peace is not found in your circumstances. It's not found in your medical bill. It's not found in your bank account. It's not found in your job satisfaction levels. It's not found in avoiding other people or trying to please other people. It's not found in being religious and your own devotion to God because true peace is found in a person. In a person. It's found in the God of peace. So turn with me to Colossians chapter 1 for a moment. Colossians chapter 1. Paul writes to the church in Colossae and encourages them by writing and saying that he hasn't stopped praying for them. And especially, he is praying that God will give them a deeper understanding of the truth of the gospel. He writes in verses 10 to 12, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. We all want to do that, right? Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. 
So again, we see this idea of being fruitful by God's enabling power that results in this endurance and patience and joy. But then he says in verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And what is the kingdom of Jesus like? Romans 14.7 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now back to Colossians. Paul is telling the church that because they have forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, that God has pursued us in Jesus in order that there can be peace between us and God. And he explains that how that soul-calming peace is all tied up in the person of Jesus. Because look at this. Look at where true peace is found. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is God made visible to us. So we can actually see what true peace looks like. He is uncertainty made certain. He is God's promise made visible. He is the sign we are looking for. Verse 16. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. You stop and you think about that. Is there anything in this universe where Jesus is not involved in? Is there anywhere in this universe you can go where there is no Jesus. Verse 17, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Now, if Jesus is God and everything is under His control, because everything was made for Him and through Him, does that not mean that if we are in Christ, we can have peace knowing and trusting that every single situation and moment of your life holds together in Him? Nothing is outside of His control. I had to remember that this past week. I took some money to the ATM and I had to deposit the money and all of a sudden the bank decides they're just going to take the money and not tell me that it's in my account. It wasn't a small portion of money, so in that moment I had to think, whoa, what's next? I had to pay some bills for someone else and so the money is there, but now I can't pay these bills. The ATM just took it. There's no bank right next to the ATM, so what do I do? We had to get in the car, we had to drive to a bank, and in that moment I had to ask myself, stay calm. You have peace with God. Jesus is in control of even this situation. Maybe you might not get the money back. But you can trust God with the details. Because Paul goes on to say that our source of peace is also the head of the church. Do you see it? Verse 18. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything He might be preeminent. Jesus is the one that's in charge of this church. And He was there before everything else came into existence. He is the one that brings leadership to this church. Because He is the one 
that defeated death and takes away the fear of death. But now look at verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making what? Making peace by the blood of the cross. Jesus came to change your warlike rebellion and relationship with God. To end the war between us and God because of sin. And how did He do that? He made peace through suffering. By going to the war of the cross for us. To experience the, the righteous judgment and wrath of God for us. And what you find at the cross is that there is Peace and the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. And you see Jesus agonizingly being disturbed in his inner being to the point of sweating blood and by taking the wrath of God upon himself and giving up his perfectly peaceful life in the Trinity coming to earth fully God, fully man dying on a cross So that Jesus gives you peace. Peace from that guilty conscience you have because of your sin this week. He gives you peace from trying to earn your salvation. He gives you peace in knowing that you are a child of God. He gives you peace in knowing and believing and trusting that the peace treaty between you and God has been signed for all eternity through the blood of Jesus. Many countries, they, they have these peace treaties with each other. And, but we recognize that man's signature on paper doesn't last, does it? But the peace that is found in Jesus is not only essential for all of us, it's eternal. It's eternal. It's the kind of peace that will last forever. Because our main problem... For having conflict with others and conflict with ourselves is because we are at war with God. But peace is found in the person of Jesus. Who He is and what He has done, which gives us access to a kind of peace that is out of this world. Because God is both the source and the producer of all true shalom. It's His shalom, His salvation, His restoration, His work in our lives... To make things as they ought to be. Because as you, as you look at Jesus, the God of peace says, I am not willing to live in conflict with my people. And because we have peace with God, we can have peace with each other. We can have peace in our souls during the good times and the hard times. Second Thessalonians 3.16 May the Lord of peace himself grant you peace in all circumstances, Paul prayed. Which means Jesus is the answer to all your unfulfilled longings. Jesus is the answer to all your fears and confusions. He is the answer to your unanswered prayers. When Jesus was ministering among the people, after healing them, what would he say to them? Luke 4.35 Go in peace. 
When the wind and the waters were creating this massive storms that were so overwhelming, what does Jesus speak to the natural elements? Mark 4.39 Peace, be still. What was one of the very first things that Jesus said after he rose from the dead? Luke 24.36 As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. Like with Gideon, God's word penetrates the core of our beings and brings peace to our souls. All because of the Holy Spirit. Because true peace is found only in Jesus. Which also means Jesus is the answer to all our conflicting relationships, right? Because God pursued you to make peace with Him, which means we are to pursue others to do the same. Because the key thing to realize is that we are the ones that offended God with our sin. Yet He came to make peace with us through Christ. Which means if you have the Spirit of Christ at work in your life, producing the fruit of peace in your life, it will show in how you seek to find peace with other people, even if you are the one that's being offended. Even if you are the one that's being offended. Jesus takes away all the excuses, because look at what the rest of the New Testament says. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. We've got to aim for restoration, says Paul. Which is like fight against yourself and your own ideas and your own feelings to have peace with other people. Because when we pursue peace in our relationships, we know that the God of love and peace is truly with us. Because then he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The God of peace wants to make you peaceful like Jesus. And the way God grows you and makes you more like Jesus is by allowing you to see how much peace you have in Jesus, our source of peace, peace, which then helps us to keep our eyes on Him no matter what your circumstances might be. Because the more we see and understand and believe how at peace we are with God because of Christ, how the barrier of sin has been taken care of by the blood of Jesus, the more we can grow and being people who have true peace deep down in our souls. Because to grow in the fruit of peace, we should know what it is and why we need it. We should know where we can find it. But now finally, how we should guard it. How we should guard it. The Greek word for peace in the New Testament is the word Irene. Irene. It adds to this picture of shalom and it means unity and accord. A confident rest in the wisdom and control of God rather than your own. And Paul describes this as one of the main objectives of the New Testament church. For there to be peace within the relationships of God's people. 
See, after explaining that the kingdom of Jesus is the kingdom of joy and peace in the Holy Spirit to the church in Rome, he says, verse 18, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Because one of the ways we guard the peace we have in Jesus is by actively pursuing peace with others. Regardless of who they are and what they said. Because we know different people deal with conflict in different ways, right? You have the person who wants to talk things out, but they just want to tell you how you are wrong, and this is how things will go. Or you have the person who is the avoider. They'd rather avoid any kind of conflict because they don't like addressing it. And then you have the, the giver inner. The person who just gives in for the sake of peace, but it doesn't truly resolve the conflict, does it? We protect the peace we have when we take the needed steps toward, toward resolving conflict in our relationships. Isn't that what church discipline is all about? We protect the peace we have in Jesus when we don't tolerate gossip. When we don't allow false teaching and legalism to divide us. Because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Because that is what kingdom people do who understand biblical peace. For they will be called sons of God. Matthew 5. Because the spirit of peace that is at work in your life enables you to take these radical steps toward resolving conflict with others. And that is a clear sign that the fruit of peace is on display. That is when the world starts to see the God of peace in your life. Because the fruit of peace is not avoiding people thinking that you are at peace with them just because you don't care what these people think about you anymore. That is not real peace. Peace is having real unity. It's a confident rest in the wisdom and control of God that causes me to move toward other people. And so let me ask you again, like we've been asking for several weeks now, who do you need to move towards this week? I really think God is putting His finger on some of the conflict relationships that we have with others in the church. And through His Spirit, He wants us to pursue peace. Because as one man says, a true child of God is not a peace faker, but a peacemaker. That's why Paul said to the church in Rome, Romans 12 verse 19, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Because honestly, a lot of times the person that needs to get out of the way is you. Can you say you have done everything you can to restore peace in your relationships with other people? Your spouse, your children, your brother and sister in Christ. Or do these conflicting relationships still burden you? Another way we guard the peace we have in Jesus is to let that peace guard us. Is to let that peace guard us. That might sound obvious and strange at the same time. And it is. 
Because remember what Paul said to the Philippians, right? Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says that you can guard the peace you have in Jesus by going back to God again and again, talking with Him and offloading all your burdens to Him in dependent prayer. Because there's a promise in these verses. If we go to God with a heart that appreciates who God is and what He has done for you, and you go to Him and you talk with Him about your burdens, He says, you can ask Him anything. Let your request be known. Because then He promises that His supernatural peace will stand guard over your heart and your mind, keeping the enemy of worry and anxiety and fear and conflict out. Because this is the kind of peace that goes beyond our minds. The kind of peace that doesn't make sense. And so we have the wonderful encouragement that We can protect that peace and be protected by that peace when we trust God that He can handle our problems. Do you trust God that He can handle your problems? When we keep trusting Him that He can handle any kind of problem. Because when our peace is disturbed, you think of peace, you think of maybe of a dove, right? It doesn't take much for a dove to get startled and and want to fly away, does it? When that peace is disturbed, that's when we forget that Jesus was before all things. That everything was made for Him and through Him. That everything holds together in Him. But when we go back to Him with a thankful heart in prayer because of the gospel, acknowledging who Jesus is, we get a peace in our souls that we cannot explain to other people. A peace in our soul that trusts that God is going to take care of the situation you are in. The kind of peace that can say, it is well with my soul. Even if you have lost everything. But our peace with God and from God starts to dissolve in our experience with Him when people stop praying. Another way to say it is, A peaceless person is a prayerless person. When you neglect the means of grace that God has given us in the church, then you are open to all kinds of doubt, all kinds of fears, all kinds of conflict. As one pastor says, no one that has truly gone to Jesus for peace and dependence and faith has ever come away disappointed. We need to maintain peace at all costs because of the great cost of true peace. We need to unburden our hearts before God because of the access we have to true peace. And the believer who is confronted with the dark challenges of life will show the fruit of peace in their trusting, dependence, steadiness in Christ. Psalm 42 shows us that a troubled Christian is a thirsty Christian. In a cry of great turmoil, the psalmist says, 
As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Well, they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. You might be here today and you carry a burden and your soul is disturbed. You recognize everything is not as it ought to be. Hope in God. Hope in the God of our salvation. Maybe your tears have been your food this week because of all the pain and suffering that you are going through. Hope in God. Find your peace in God. Maybe you realize that the inner struggle you face and the inner doubts and fears you have because of ongoing sin and what it means to be a fruitful Christian is causing you to have a burdened soul. Find your peace in God. Find peace in knowing that you are accepted by God not because of what you have done but because of Jesus. Jesus went on to say to the disciples, John 14, 27, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, the one that bears this fruit in our lives, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Gideon had this big mission for Jesus. The disciples had a big mission for Jesus. Our church has a big mission for Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Helper. God helps us to have calmness of the soul when everything else seems to be falling apart. God helps us to pursue others who we are in conflict with because God helps us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. As Ephesians 4 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager, emphasis on eager, to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Because with the church and Jesus as His leader, this is the place where supernatural peace is experienced, lived out, lifted up, and guarded. And so people should not be surprised that there is a lack of peace in their lives when they neglect the church. When they neglect spending time unburdening their hearts before God in prayer. When they neglect the means of grace that God has given us every single day. We must fight for peace to grow in the fruit of peace. But we don't fight in vain. I close with the words of Jesus. From John 16:33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. 
In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that we can know supernatural peace because of Jesus Christ. Father, it's when we look at the cross, we see that how at war we were with you. That sin causes this division amongst us in our relationship with you. That there is conflict in our relationship with you. Father, we see your mercy that you pursued us in Jesus Christ, who poured out his life, who poured out his blood, making peace between the mighty God of this universe and sinners like us. Father, we often feel like Gideon, not worthy to be in your presence. As we think of your holiness, we think of your righteousness. We feel unworthy, Lord. We feel we're not up to the task. And by ourselves, Lord, we acknowledge we are not. But you've given us your precious and empowering Holy Spirit that works in our hearts and in our lives that doesn't make us content. Doesn't make us content to continue another day living in conflict with you and with others and within ourselves. Lord, we find peace in Jesus Christ. The one who holds all things together. And so we pray, Lord, if there's anyone even here today that doesn't know this kind of peace, that you would show them more of Jesus. If there's anyone here today that's been carrying a burden, Lord, Help them bring it to the cross. Help them to offload their burdens with hearts full of gratitude and thanksgiving because of who Christ is and what He has done for us. And help us, Lord, like the psalmist, to hope in God. Even if our diet is made up of tears, we hope in God. We find rest in God. We find peace in God. We pray this in Jesus' name.